guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number 249. I'm your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hey. In this episode, we are talking about Blonde, starring Anna Darmus, available on Netflix. Uh, but before we do, I want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Uh, please try and leave ratings and reviews. We really appreciate those. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Three Drinks In Pod. You can like us on Facebook. You can email us at Three Drinks In Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to uh, check out the merchandise store over at tpublic.com for all your Three Drinks In Podcast t shirts and sweatshirts and beer koozies and all manner of things that they sell. So, yes. Get them. Indeed. Okay. So, so, so blonde. It's a blonde. Yeah. Uh, it was a long movie. <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie. I I pulled a U this time. <laughs> I watched the first half one night, and then the next half I sort of jumped around yeah <laughs> and next thing you know i finished it in about six minutes so. <laughs> yeah i think i i think we got through because my wife had wanted to watch it too because you know we like marilyn monroe and we we we'd really enjoyed years ago my week with marilyn starring um oh what the heck's her name uh michelle williams and eddie redmayne and uh, i think kenneth Branagh was in that as well and, Ju- and judy dench i was i realized um that was fun and you know, she's certainly got an interesting life story, and so okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that, I guess. Uh, yeah, um, but this was very long, and we got through a little bit more than 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 half. We got up to the point with the with the dress blowing up in the subway, mm-hmm. and then we're like, okay. This is as good a point to stop as any, and so we stopped. And I got back to it the next day in bed. In about yeah, in about six minutes, flipping through on my phone, like reading the you know the the Wikipedia page plots plot summary on you know because my phone has like a like that like picture in picture, so I'm like reading the plot summary as I'm like tapping the plus ten seconds plus ten seconds button on my. Netflix app and we yeah I uh, I banged that sucker out in about six minutes give or take. Uh, yeah. So now I don't know. I didn't know anything about Marilyn Monroe at all, except that she was supposed to be very attractive. And you know, I've seen her so much as this like icon type like post like there's always like the poster. There's the pictures of her that Warhol did. There's like the, the dress with the subway grate that like, I mean, she was around alive a long time ago now. <laughs> to me, I mean, she's, I'm not saying she's not pretty, but she's nothing special because she's just been around all the time. Yeah. You know, and like it works with anything like that. The first time you see the Kardashians, you're like, wow, those people are very attractive. They won the genetic lottery, but like I've seen a Kardashian far more than I've ever wanted to. <laughs> now I find them odd looking. Yeah, they're bizarre. Like, how do you cinch your waist that way? And how does your head not too heavy with all the makeup? Like, you don't see them for human specimens that they used to be. Now they're just like sideshows. Yeah, and I think also with Marilyn Monroe, like the word iconic gets tossed around a lot and it's really not really it's not it's not used appropriately like an icon is just something that you're all just supposed to recognize what it is without any any language it's literally what the word means you know and we're we're more accustomed to that than we think of certainly with branding and just the way we interact with technology too we we engage with icons all the time and the way that you use technology pretty well when when it's done properly is that the images that you see instinctively you know are designed to let you interact with them in in appropriate ways um so yeah she's sort of barely a person in the zeitgeist now she 
is a symbol of a lot of different things and different things to different people, but really of this this time period, the mid-1950s to the mid-1960s. Like that's just what Marilyn Monroe, what, what you think of when you see her, just the same way you know, you think of the Apple computer company whenever you see that, that Apple logo on it. It's just yeah, kind of well, what, what you do. They're, they're always just telling you how pretty she is. And like, you go, yes, of course. And then after a while, it's like, I guess so. Like, she's just literally a face at that point with a dress over her head. I mean, I mean, she was also, you know, she was sort of willing to do certain things, it seemed, or at least encouraged to do certain things and to and, and to display her body but right, also but, it was like people who were willing to shoot her and do that well well now it's been so long that it's almost as if she didn't even exist at all i mean she could have been made in a computer program for all i can tell because it's not like her movies are on tv anymore no. we don't sit and watch turner classic movies you have to go out of your way to find them and she wasn't that good that they bring her up in terms of like all-time classics like Cary Grant and Humphrey Bogart and stuff like that. Like she's not that good of an actress. So when they mention people from that time and like classic films and all this stuff, they don't mention her. They might mention her as like, remember that time she had her dress blown over her head, but, but that's it. That's not anything. So her impact now is very, very little. I mean, if anything. Yeah. I mean, I had to go out of my way to watch some like it hot several years ago and we so we sat down and we watched it and we're like yeah that was pretty you know jack lemon's pretty great in that and you know it was sort of just like a zany um you know cross-dressing comedy kind of thing but um yeah it's, it's she's nothing to write home about in the movie she she had like an earnestness to her on screen like you know this sort of yeah, I, I wouldn't say she was like it, it, it wasn't naivete per se. It was there was some awareness of how cute you are, but it was kind of like a little kid, like when a little kid, like my daughter, knows how cute she is, and that whenever she behaves a certain way, people react to her in a positive way. That was kind of how Marilyn Monroe seemed to be on screen. Like she just sort of like knew that if I do this. It will lead to positive attention, and people will like it. And now the motives for that are a whole other, you know, kettle of fish, and you know, one I'm not qualified to discuss. But like, that was sort of it with her. It was there was no talent there per se. There was just simply emotion or emotional manipulation of of some kind. But she wasn't like a good actress or anything. No, I mean that was her thing. So. She's been talked about and made movies about and books and things for a bajillion years. Um, this one based on a Joyce Carol Oates novel. This is the second version of this movie, too. There was a made-for-TV version. Yeah. It came out years ago. And my wife had actually seen that one. Like, just was up one one night, like, late in high school and couldn't sleep. And she just put this on. And, you know, that, you know... Had some images mm. into that kind of stuck with her at the time. Um, so, what did you think of this version? I hated this so much; it was so bad. Oh my god! All I could think about was like all those those scenes and uh, how how I met your mother, where they're making fun of Ted for his pretentiousness, like whenever he wants to, you know, talk about this poem or that, you know, fancy French wine, and they would just go. <laughs> You know, they would, he would <laughs> just make fart noises. Fart in front noises. Of them. Yeah, was like, that was that's the worst fart noise I've ever heard. Uh, like well, I can't <laughs> do a good fart noise. I'm just gonna do a little raspberry here. But like, okay. But um, oh god, this was so. And I, I, I also think I don't like movies like this. And this is like a particular subgenre. What is of, this movie? So. There was another movie that came out within the last year or so called Spencer, um, uh, which is ironic because we were just talking about the the British royal the British royal family off air, and um, which was about um, Princess Diana, and it also wasn't about Princess Diana. It was about 
what the writer and director of that movie wanted to say about her, but not really her, but their version of her in their head. And so it's just a series of some lady, in this case it was Kirsten, Kristen Stewart, oh, doing right. an yeah. annoyingly breathless imitation of Princess Diana, which is... There's something about... It's funny, like... Anna de Armas's voice in this drove me insane. Whenever she opened her mouth, I wanted to just hit myself over the head. And same thing was true with Kristen Stewart doing uh, this like phony British accent, which is just all breathless and no body to the voice. It was just oh, it was like nails on a chalkboard. But that, like this, was a movie that was a fiction about a person who was alive, but really only dealt with the with the actual facts of the person's life in the most just touching ways it didn't really get into anything you know in terms of like a like you know as opposed to a real biopic which is like we're going to dramatize the events of this person's life or a specific instance in that person's life and make a movie out of it this is you know Spencer was trying to say something just about how abused and awful Princess Diana's life was from solely her point of view, but really the point of view of the writer thinking through it. And, like, it's not grounded in anything, and there's no story to be told. There's just emotions to throw around, and... I don't like that. Like, you go see a movie about a person who is or, is or was a real human being because you're interested in that person's life and you kind of take everything with a grain of salt when you watch it because you know, you know, it's got to be you know dramatized for effect. It's not a documentary. But it can be fun to sort of, you know, live, through, feel like you've lived through that experience by, by, by watching it on screen. These are not anything like that. They're they're disconnected from that, and they're just trading on names. It seems, and you know, they're they're there to. I'm not sure what they're trying to do. Like, I don't know what the point of this was. I don't know what anyone was trying to say with it. You know, there's some kind of a deeper message, and there's something superficial there. You know, with Spencer about how just. She was miserable, and no one liked her, and she, you know, wanted to run away you know, from there, it. Are there other versions besides that movie, or is it just these two? None that I can think of, although I'm sure they exist. Um, but this just reminded me so much of that of of Spencer that it it, it just began to drive me insane because I really didn't like that movie at all, and um. It, like the main emotion I recall feeling in both instances of watching Blonde and Spencer was just sheer boredom. You know, I could think of, for God's sake, somebody throw a pie. <laughs> That's all I could think because it was just, and I felt bad because my wife was kind of she she she's kind of into that stuff. Or like, she, I, you know, she 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 likes them to a to a certain degree. She's way more patient with these movies than I am. I'm just like. You know, can we just somebody have a conversation? You know, like no one seemed to be talking to each other. Like the other thing that this kind of reminded me of was that 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 movie Birdman, where like mm-hmm. people are, they're not really talking to each other; they're just talking past each other. And I liked Birdman more than I liked these movies. I think because there was like the with the fact that it was all kind of made to be shot like it was one take. There's an urgency to it, and there was sort of a kind of going with the story there. But it was still pretty pretty out there and, you know, fantastical in some respect. It you know, wasn't exactly, you know, a, a realistic film. And, and neither were these. And that's okay. You don't have to make a realistic movie. I mean, you could even make a non-realistic movie about these people. But, like, have a point. I didn't think this movie had a point other than like 
fame happened to this lady and she was horribly abused by everyone she ever met and seems to have no agency in her entire life and that's sort of one note and boring and and yeah this was just oh this was dreadful <laughs> yeah it was really really awful <laughs> <laughs> And the more I watched it, the more it was awful in so many different ways that the awfulness sort of like compounded itself and exploded like a rose opening. And I was like, there's so much more awful than I could possibly unpack in this film. <laughs> you know, like, it, like oh. I, I want to go back and watch, you know, any Marvel movie to cleanse my brain of this because like, and this is the kind of stuff that people get upset about because Everyone will tell you that you should watch this and it's a big deal and it's like art thing and it's like, you know, this is real cinema and you watch it. You want you get mad like a monkey flinging poo. You're like, what is this? Those Professor Highbrow. Thanks a lot. Now I just wasted three hours of my life watching this woman be miserable until she kills herself at the end. Is that what happened? I forgot what happened. She dies. I knew she died. She died young and tragically, but I, I didn't recall the circumstances surrounding her death. Yeah, she uh, overdoses on barbiturates, like you do. That'll 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 get it done. Oh man! I mean, it felt like a an art school kids movie. <laughs> what was the I I just kept thinking of like The Simpsons, like some kind of like fancy art like short film that Lisa watches. It just ends in the word fiend. You know? like, uh, yeah, it reminded me of that shit. Or like when they have the Mister Plow commercial and it's a woman with a snow globe and she <laughs> smashes it. That's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> and they're like, "Was that your commercial?" He goes, "I don't know." <laughs> like he doesn't know what it was. <laughs> He's looking at it like. The hell did I just watch? Which is really, really what I, what I felt like watching this. Like what? Uh, yeah. What am I looking at here. I, I didn't. I mean, I've never read the book. I didn't understand why anyone would write a book like this. <laughs> the concept made no sense to me. I'm gonna take this person who's, I guess, iconic for their generation at the time. Who Joyce Carol Oates is not young. And I don't, know, I don't know anything about her at all. But I'm gonna write a book. And I'm going to make everything fictional. Like, I'm going to just highlight certain things about this person's life and make things up as I go. And I'm sitting here thinking, why would anyone do that? <laughs> That's like if you told me you're writing a novel about me where I go down south and fight dragons in Florida. And then sometimes on my weekends, I'm like a school teacher. No, it's, I mean, not, it's, it's not even that. That would be interesting. I, I would read that book. You well, kidding me? the book was interesting. <laughs> JFK had her assassinated. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, see, that would have been cool. That would have been a story to tell. But, but I this, don't understand. this was just Why? all internal. This is all like we're going to tell. It's the same basic story of her life. No, it's not. It's not the story of her life at all. That's what I'm saying. No, but like, I don't understand <laughs> what this book and movie is. But if you if you look at just the various beats, okay, she's born. That happened. She was abused by her mom. I'm eye rolling over here. Yes, that, I know yeah, those but things. Like beat by beat by beat, these are all the things. And then around that, you just film a lady doing nothing. She it, doesn't do nothing. It reminded me of a biopic mixed with a perfume commercial. Like, you know, I expected someone to come like, some blown in by the wind and go j'adore like out of nowhere because that's it the, the scenes just look like they, they they look like a perfume commercial like is that johnny depp you know like one of those things well but i mean i'm just talking about the story i the, didn't think there was a story the story is not her the story is not her life some things are they're practically a coincidence there's so few things that like okay she was born yes she married this one person yes she married that person okay Everything else was just a crapshoot. Who's to say what really happened? And I'm sitting here thinking, but why not just make a new character? Why does it have to be this person? Or have it be like an amalgamation, that means a mix, everybody, <laughs> of different people. Like you could do a story about a starlet who like has to go through the Hollywood system and has a hard time 
take details from Marilyn Monroe and Judy Garland and other people's lives. But like, why does it have to be this one person who already actually lived this? I don't understand that. It just didn't make any sense to me. No. And so it wasn't also helped by the awful aesthetics in which the scenes were strung together with nothing. They were not strung together at all. She has no agency whatsoever in this film. Everything just happens to her. And she takes everything with this naive, you know, doe-eyed expression because, I mean, I guess the, the whole point is that she's looking for a father figure. So she just lets men rape her and marry her for no reason and uh, sexually abuse and display her like she's a piece of property. And no one behaves that way. Not like this. Not for that reason. Like at one point when she gets slapped in the face by her husband and she keeps calling him daddy, I wanted to throw my computer out the window. Yeah. Because it was just, it just rang so false. I was like, that is just not behavior I can understand. No. And there and there are certainly people who are in abusive relationships who continue in those relationships. But yes, as someone is happen. smacking the crap out of you, you're you don't like make the same kind of doe-eyed, whimpering cat face at them. Like that's it, it didn't it didn't you know, it just didn't jive. It just didn't make any sense. Like I'm gonna hit you and then you're gonna like what like i it just yeah i mean uh, i know there are people like that who are abusive and they never leave and it's it's a tragedy for those people that that they get stuck there but like it's the fact that she has no agency at all she doesn't react in any way she doesn't tell anybody about it you know usually what happens with people in those relationships is everyone knows and they can't get them out because the person won't leave or the person is threatened or what have you but she just shrugs everything you know she doesn't call the police she doesn't tell her family she doesn't have any friends as far as i can tell she's just this thing you watch get abused for three hours it's just misery the entire time oh yes and you're like there's no way this person in real life assuming you know although we've abandoned real life quite early on you know she didn't have any input or any opinions on anything like that doesn't make any sense you know, she wanted to work in Hollywood. She she didn't have those pictures taken of her, you know, without her top on for no reason at all. There's other ways to just get through life. So it, it was just like, I don't understand what's happening here. Here's one more scene. Oh, now she's with this guy. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so that is these decks were terrible. And so was the acting. Oh, the acting was so, everybody in this was just those dreadful. two idiots that she hangs out with and she sleeps with all the time. Oh, what, what bisexual central casting unit did they find those two? Oh, good lord. Yeah. Um, and their, and their dialogue was awful. That what they said was terrible. Anna Darmus is, I've seen her in other movies and she's good. She was the best part about the last James Bond movie. She was great in that movie. I didn't realize she, she was Cuban. She is, yes. She I, is. Thought, I thought she was something else from uh, Latin America. No, she's Cuban. Um, and like, I was reading, I guess, in like the IMDb tr- trivia, like, you know, stuff. Um, apparently, there was some work done in, in post-production to de-accent like because her her Cuban accent is very. She didn't speak English until a couple of years ago. Like she's just, you know, she's a very recent, you know, English speaker. And the whole time I'm like, God, she sounds terrible. She's like, it sounds like she's really fighting through her accent. And apparently, it was worse on set, and they had to go back. And when they did ADR, they they had to like, you really need to like say it, you know, you try and sound more like her kind of a thing. Like it wasn't, you know, I don't really mind when an actor playing a, a person who who you know is a real person doesn't do an like a straight up <clears throat> imitation of them like you kind of have to hit the beats a certain way but you don't you know we could we, you know we can't all be, we can't all be Meryl Streep Meryl Streep about everyone you, you can you know just try to pick a tone or a theme for your performance that is similar to the actual person but not a dead on 
impression. And um, that would have been a better choice than what this was, which was like trying to sound like her and just failing miserably at it. And yeah, coming, coming across is just one note. Um, I like, you know, Bobby Cannavale a lot, and he was garbage in this movie too. Um, Adrian Brody, usually a very fine actor, not very good here. Just everyone sucked in this movie. I did catch, you know who was in this movie that I hadn't seen in years? The guy Bulldog from Bob Briscoe, yeah, Bulldog Bob Briscoe from Frasier. I was like, my God, is that the guy from? Yeah, it's the guy from Frasier. I was like, oh, he got old. He, you got old. Frasier was thirty years ago. I know. I forgot about that until recently. But um, but yeah, that was. And I'm trying to think who else was in this that I, the woman who played her mother was pretty good, because she, you know, that was. I actually thought the beginning of it was pretty good. Like oh, the, I thought the beginning was when I knew we were in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, it starts off rather strong, and I thought, oh, okay. But, like, it felt like a real story. Like, it didn't... Well, yeah. it, it was told in a very straightforward kind of way. There wasn't any kind of playing around with it. And then, like, after that happened, and she, you know, just shows up in the next scene after being sent to the orphanage, looking like Marilyn Monroe... Um. You know, then it got all weird with like you know time and thoughts and all the different you know styles. It goes from like eight millimeter to black and white to color to this. Which apparently, I read a review that said that like the reason that the guy did that was because he was trying to, in certain scenes, capture an image of Marilyn Monroe that people were familiar with. Like certain, you know, shots of her, like still, still photographs or like, you know, moving images of her in real life were done in like black and white or were done in color and, you know, with a certain color palette and the, the camera changing between the different sort of styles of image or whatever. I don't know. I'm not even sure what, what you call yeah, that. I read somewhere that... It was in black and white a lot of the time, but when it was in color and things like that, it was mimicking whatever movie she was in at that time. Right. But if you don't fucking know that, it just looks weird and confusing and artsy for the sake of artsy. I mean, that's crap that, like, undergrads would do. Yeah. What Like, what is wrong? First of all, no one should be filming in black and white unless you really know what you're doing. What's the reason for this? And I can tell you, I mean, I don't know what it is, but 99% of people don't know either. Stop doing that. But also, why? Why would you do this to, like, have it be different? You know, especially when you're trying to tell me that this isn't the actual Marilyn Monroe. Right? right? Just just film it normally. What's, What's the message you're trying to convey here? You don't just do these things for no reason. That's that's what makes bad films and bad movies and, and bad books and TV shows. When you just have people doing things and there's no reasoning behind any of it. Like, look at this shot. Doesn't look great. I'm like, yeah, okay. Why did you shoot it like that? Doesn't it look great? <laughs> like, does it say anything about the character's internal yeah. uh, motivation or how they're feeling or what's coming up next? And I'm sure if you ask the guy like why he chose to do certain things, he would have a reason that was better than that. But at the same time, the reason, you know, if you have to ask him why he did something, the game is already over. Like you, the, you know, you don't have to know the the answer to that question of why a choice was made as the audience member, but it does have to elicit in you a feeling other than confusion. You know, where where you could say, oh, this choice was bold, it made me feel this, it made me think of that. It's supposed to produce a reaction in the audience. Um, this didn't do that. It just made you go, well, why did you do all that? Like, I don't I don't understand what you were trying to do here. That is the wrong, I don't <laughs> the know. wrong reaction to get. When that happens, you've made a mistake and you need to do it again. Yeah. So. There were just so, so many things that were either like that like where it was like baffling where it was like i don't understand what these voiceovers are for and these weird fades and and you know what's in focus in any one time 
like when they're having the sex scene with the three of them and like everything's blurry in focus and you're like staring at each other in the mirror. I'm like, two seconds ago, we were just watching her get sodomized in some guy's office. <laughs> Why is this suddenly supposed to be this like religious experience she's having? So that's confusing. Yeah. You know, but I also don't understand half the acting choices. So like Anna Armas was awful because she couldn't do obviously she doesn't sound American in any way you know like even with the ADR I was like well they really didn't do a good job with this no sir but she chose to play her as like this waifish naive you know as if the screen Marilyn Monroe was the way she actually was you know like I don't think Chris Evans actually walks around speaking the way Captain America does because no one really talks that way. So it's like she would talk about, you know, letters from her father and, uh, you know, the baby she wanted to have, but she aborted. And I'm like, why is she talking like a seven-year-old kid? I don't understand this. Uh, yeah. She's, it's, a, this, it's a bad decision on her part. It's bizarre immaturity that didn't, it just didn't make any sense. It just, I mean, if what you were going for was just to showcase that this is a person who was, you know, oddly intelligent but incredibly naive and like ultimately i mean she comes across looking almost like like she's mentally handicapped at, at times because she doesn't seem to be able to have a conversation with the person i mean i i turned on on youtube just like trying to recall scenes from that from the other movie my week with marilyn which is in hindsight a fucking masterpiece compared to this thing and there's this scene where she gets off the plane in London. She's going to go shoot a film in, in London with um, uh, Laurence Olivier. And, uh, you know, she's there's like this press briefing and they're all kind of making fun of her because she's now like amongst the high society folks in, in England. And she says, you know, I'll, I'll be playing the role of whatever. And it's like a complicated name. And some guy goes, um, do you know how to spell that? <laughs> And she goes, I do. Do you? Like, it was just really kind of a quick retort that I think was lifted from real life because it's a press conference. They had people there writing all this stuff down. So I don't know for sure. But, like, that's who this person was. It, you know, like, like that, that movie was good and certainly better than this in that it did what all good biopics do, which is to isolate one aspect of a person's life and tell that story the way that Lincoln tells the story of just the passage of this amendment and not Lincoln's whole life story. You know, this was, this was, you know, again, it was a highly fictional thing where she, you know, moves to England for a few weeks and has to spend time with this kid who gets a job on the movie set because he wants to be in pictures. And so he, you know, it's about his relationship. It's really told through his point of view which makes it questionable, you know, how reliable he is as a narrator. And it gives the, the you know, the, the writer freedom to tell a story about a person who was famous that, you know, could be totally made up. And it doesn't compromise the rest of that, of that, of that person's life story. Um, but, you know, even if you didn't, even, even, even if you wanted to make this kind of movie about Marilyn Monroe, why you would make her into, you know, like a, a shell of a, of a human being, let alone like a shell of Marilyn Monroe, I don't really understand at all. It doesn't make her endearing. It doesn't even make her sympathetic. Like, yes, she's an object of pity, but also after a while, I'm like, why doesn't she just do something different and speak in a normal voice and not like it just... It doesn't make her any more relatable, you know, and so it's hard to get why she would behave this way. I mean, it's just every scene because I didn't know anything about her. So when it when it was over, I had to like go back and like look up what actually happened to this person. And it seems that all the scenes are just to highlight this this woman, her desire to have a father figure for some reason and endure all the misery of being with men who don't fit that description you know because there's the scene with 
um dimaggio where he finds all these pictures like the two guys blackmail him that there's all these topless pictures of her and he goes in and slaps her around and he goes you'll never do this again and yada yada and i'm sitting here thinking like how could he not have known that that's what was going on she was only being used for as a sex symbol i don't understand this and it turned out in real life that he did know a lot of that stuff he just he thought she'd settle down once they got married and it didn't happen. So that their marriage didn't last, you know, but none of that is talked about or hinted at. So it's just, here's a scene of her wishing that she was, you know, he was her father and he's beating her and she's just apologizing for that so that it, it, it goes away. And I was like, every scene followed that. Here's just a scene of her being miserable because some man treated her poorly. Which gets to my second problem in that, why does she need a father figure? That's the, I use the term goal very loosely. Why is that what she wants? She's never had one ever. And she seemed to have done just fine without one. She got pretty far. I mean, you know, she let people abuse her, but. Yeah, I mean, that being the central bit, bit of motivation for her is bizarre. I mean, it's not bizarre, but it's it's not explained why that she needs. What is it that she's missing that she needs from that? Right. You know, because you have plenty of characters in movies and shows and things that like they want something and they want it because they feel that it will make them a better person in some way, you know, family, a better job, whatever it is. And sometimes they get it. And then sometimes it's the real lessons they learn along the way, you know, yeah. but in this one, it's not even explained why she wants that. She just does. Like her mom told her one day, you you know, her husband's going to come back and get us, even though that was all a lie because her mother's a paranoid schizophrenic. So, like she knows her mother is also not well. They put her in, you know, Arkham Asylum of all places <laughs> where people were just wandering around screaming. I was like, <laughs> now, I'm not saying these places were great places in the 50s and everything, but I mean, it really looked like a cartoon where those people were pulling their hair out and screaming like, oh, those are some of our more troubled patients. I'm like, they look like they're going to eat their own faces. What are you talking about? <laughs> more they troubled. They should be strapped down for God's sakes. You know, so she knows that that what her mother told her about the about the father wasn't real. And yet she's like desperate for this, you know, fatherly approval. It didn't make sense. Yeah. Like her her central motivation is it, it doesn't make sense. In the other movie, her her whole thing is that she's been in movies for a long time, but not really taken seriously. Her her issue is that, you know, she feels that she's an actress and not a movie star and, and not just a sex symbol, and that she can do more complicated and more highfalutin roles. And she goes to England and runs into problems you know, being taken seriously as an actress. And that's just like the central, you know, conflict in the story is like her against these people who don't really like they're they're kind of using her for um you know her star power and she's using them because they think because she thinks they 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 give her legitimacy and that makes a lot more sense than a random like not random but like in, than than a sort of deep-seated you know desire for a father figure which has driven her to make all manner of poor decisions her entire life which yeah i guess that's a thing you could uncover on a psychiatrist's couch that every decision you make is really but it's i don't know it seems kind of like an old-fashioned way of thinking about psychology like you know deep down is this really about you wanting to return to the womb kind of thing like it's it's like pop psychology from the 1970s like it doesn't it, it it's poor motivation for most of the behavioral choices she makes in this movie and also in, insofar as that she makes any choices at all but like she's obviously making decisions to do things and to not do things but you never see those things you just see like you know her losing agency more and more up to the end of the movie when there's that horrible scene with President Kennedy. Yeah, what, what was that? And, uh, yeah, by the way, this is our first NC-17 movie, folks. Well, good luck enforcing that in your living room. 
Yeah. <laughs> you should have asked for like a password or something. <laughs> yeah. I think so. that's the scene that probably did it though, because it was like You think? <laughs> well, I mean, there wasn't any nudity, but it, it was certainly graphic. Yeah. You know. I, I but that's you're right. Like that's just let's skip the scene where she decides to meet with him and he wants to see her and uh, you know how they got together. They just, let's just get to the point where the secret service are drag her in. She does what she has to do. And then they drag her out. <laughs> like we're only watching the parts where she's suffering. I don't know why they would choose to highlight that. Not for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It really, it's so long. You know, like what's I the mean, point you're trying to make with this? If this was an hour and a half, I wouldn't like it any better. I wouldn't understand it much more than I do, but I could see like, you know, it being like a like a one-two punch kind of like, look how fucking awful this is. You know, you think you know the real story of this lady? No, you this is terrible or like but to make it last for 3 hours. It's, oh, it's just torturous. It's just so bad. Yeah, it's just one of those things where you're watching it and you're like when you first start, you're like, oh, this isn't good. And you're like, well, maybe it's me. Maybe I just watched too much junk. Maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> like maybe there's subtext here. I'm not understanding and I'm not appreciating this. And I could, because that's usually what they'll tell you when you see these things online and you hear the actors and directors talk about it. Like, well, this isn't your average, you know, run of the mill hour and 20 horror movie it's not a marvel thing it's it's real it's acting work and things went into this and and i'm sure a lot of work did go into this but that doesn't make it good and it's it's upsetting to hear that a lot of work that you just did wasn't enjoyed by anyone it wasn't worth it (laughs) you know that can't be that can't be good to hear so you kind of just think like well they just don't get it but as I'm sitting here thinking maybe I don't get it, I'm starting to realize I got it fine and it's just bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I had a friend that really didn't understand to a certain extent why they give out movie uh, awards for, for, for art. He thought, that, he, thought, he, thought, he thought that was ultimately kind of stupid because it's so subjective and it's, you know, really up to whatever is your preference. If you like to watch... If you think that Aquaman was this the height of cinema, who is who 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 might tell you that that was, you know that 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 you're wrong? I mean, that's the entire point of this podcast. But still, like, like it's sort of what we do. But you know, some sometimes it's fun to talk about movies in in a you know a critical sense to kind of figure out. Okay, well, there are things that do make films good and make 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 films bad. There are you know things that we wish to celebrate and things that we wish to say you know what let's let's not worry about this movie um but ultimately like how you feel when you when you watch something like this when you watch a movie is the first clue as to whether or not it's really any good you know really or any good for you like the 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 opening thing i thought was pretty good it was horrible and terrifying but it was linear and it was clear i thought it was actually very well shot the scenes in the uh in the fire in california were were really kind of crazy and like the the one shot of her mother like half naked like just giving her over to the neighbors and like closing the door the way that like the it was lit was a really neat like i enjoyed that and then from that point on it was just like oh that's the whole film it's every minute of the next three hours is that Jesus fucking Christ. And it just, I felt awful watching this movie. And I generally think that that's a mistake to make someone feel awful. You don't have to feel great about everything, but you have to have something to latch onto to keep you going. Like, I've seen Schindler's List. It's a wonderful movie. I'm never going to watch it again. I tried to, and I went, nope, I can't do this. You know, like there's. Well, even Requiem for a Dream had like. The characters that you felt sorry for, yeah, you could, you know, I mean, that, and that was like, oh my god, <laughs> there's a movie. <laughs> you want to yeah, feel I've, terrible about something? I've never seen that movie. 
Oh, man. Because you told me it was just so sad. I'm like, all right, I'll just skip that one. I actually read the book first. I was like, so if you want to feel sad for even longer, you can read the book. But, like, it's not a painful experience in the way this is painful. That's just difficult. And it it's it's engaging an emotion that is a part of you and is necessary for you to function in society. Like people have to feel sad, you know. There, yeah. and, and and it's certainly, you know, there there are stories that are sad that are worth talking about and you know, or in some cases they're historical and they're important to 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 keep fresh in in the mind. But this is not that. This doesn't teach you anything because the director and the writer aren't saying anything about it. They're not making a statement like, this is the point. There was no theme. There was no big idea here. There was just, this person's life is just awful. And you're going to experience that in the most, almost the most grotesque way that we can do. And yeah, and you know, I that's I, it. I think people, you know, we tend to be really generous and like, well, people like all kinds of things. But I think as a culture, at least American culture, we've all kind of agreed that there are different levels. Like, okay, this is everything in the good level. Here's everything in the just okay level. Like, we they become a kind of a mishmash. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, you know. Schindler's List is better than Jaws or better than Goodfellas or The Godfather. All those things are great classic films. Are they better than Super Genius Babies 2? What is it? Baby Geniuses 2? Super <laughs> Geniuses? Absolutely they are. <laughs> Absolutely. Is this better than Baby Geniuses? I don't know. I think they're sort of on that same <laughs> tier, you know? Like, we could have tears of this. <laughs> is this better than Baby Geniuses? I, I certainly wouldn't want to kill myself at the end of that one. This one, I was definitely like, oh, man, barbiturates. I get it. <laughs> you know, if I was putting up that much misery, I'd also think about it, too. Oh, yeah. No. It's, it's, it's you know. in the conversations with her fetus. And... Oh, yeah. So, like, it's, it's okay to say th- some things are bad. You might enjoy them. Aquaman is not a good movie. You might enjoy it, but it's not a good movie. Well, it also doesn't seek to do to do this to you at the same time. Like, as much as the story is goofy and stupid, it's not confusing. Like, you know, individual well, choices I, or, or the, I the plot might this, be... I yeah. think what this movie was trying to do, it doesn't do. Which means you've made a bad movie. You know? Well, we've, we've seen bad movies which were like, well, I could see what they were aiming for. They didn't do it because they didn't have a budget or an acting or anything like that. Yeah. Whereas this movie, whatever it was trying to do didn't do it and they had all the money in the world and some really good actors and it's yeah couldn't, they still couldn't pull it off like you did a bad job with good materials i mean you're a bad artist in that way Just try again next time it's not easy to make movies no no it's not you know but uh this was a stinker yeah no, I, I can't was... remember the last time we saw a movie this bad oh book no. smart maybe i couldn't stand book smart oh no i didn't like book smart i was, I was actively angry at it yeah, I mean, I was just more like, I, I, this is so annoying. This is disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I doing do anything think, else? <laughs> I do think that I do think that Booksmart and this movie have a certain amount of pretentiousness about them that that we particularly don't care for. Like well, this was like most you know, people don't care for that. Yeah, and it's so that's definitely like a theme. Like things we don't like is if you're trying to tell the people watching the movie what they're supposed to feel about something. Or think about something. It's it's not going to go very well, I don't think. Yeah, there's a whole because people get upset when people say things like this. Like people don't like to be lumped in with knuckle dragging, breathing, you know, mouth breathing weirdos who only like Marvel films and scream about what happened in the Last Jedi and stuff like that. And then this stuff is the one that gets thrown up there. Like we should watch stuff like this. Or The Irishman on Netflix and other movies that are just pretentious and not that good. And they're certainly not enjoyable. And, the, you know, the mouth breathers get upset. This isn't a real movie either. 
But you know what? There's a whole world of cinema out there that most people have never even heard of. That is quite good. It's just that stuff's really hard to find. You know, like you and I say it all the time too. When like we hear about a movie, it's supposed to be really good. It came out on six screens across the entire country, and they're all in theaters that no one can get to, limited to a weekend between the hours of 2 a.m. and 6. <laughs> so like, of course, no one's going to get to see those films. You know, we want to, but they, they, they're just not widely available. Meanwhile, Black Panther is going to come out next month. It's going to be on every screen everywhere. So it's, it's harder to see those things, but everyone's going to see the popcorn movies and, and you know, that's just going to happen. So it, it's frustrating when you're, when you're actually making something good and you want people to like expand their horizons and their brains a little bit, you know, the odds are stacked against you. And then when you make a bad movie like this one, Oh, it just makes it harder. Yeah. So don't see this one, everyone. Don't don't see blonde. And I, and I thought maybe like, oh, it's NC seventeen. It might be kind of racy and interesting. No, no. Watch Caligula instead. <laughs> <laughs> if you're desperate for that sort of thing. Oh, have you ever seen Caligula? I've seen parts of Caligula. Yeah. <laughs> We all got curious. Uh, yeah, you know, so show those parts on YouTube somewhere. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, or watch a Clockwork Orange. There you go. Oh, no, I, oh that was god. originally rated NC seventeen, and they toned it down to to be R. But it's still really. Whenever I yeah, think that's a good movie. movie. I think about the scenes with him, like his eyeballs, like his oh, eyelids yeah. being held open, and I just watch me, I'm like rubbing my eyes right now. Like I can't think about that for too long. Otherwise, I start to, start to scream. It's just so horrifying to me. Oh God. Yeah, so you can skip this one for your own sake. We watched it so you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> we should get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> anyway, what am I supposed to say now? Like, I usually go, well, if you have any thoughts about this, but I don't want to hear your thoughts about this because this movie is terrible. And I want to keep for- it to yourselves, everybody. <laughs> I want to forget I ever saw it. So what you should do is go subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, all those things. Um, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Three Drinks in Pod on both. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. You can email us three drinks in podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go get those t shirts over at tpublic.com. That it? I think that's it. Oh, thank God. All right. As always, please drink responsibly. And we'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.